Do you ever find that life just gets hard sometimes? Amen. Just me? No. Okay. Do you ever find that you're overwhelmed by your circumstances in life? Amen. Do you feel trapped? Restrained by the limitations on display in your life? Do you feel overwhelmed by the enormity of tasks and responsibilities and expectations that are imposed and put on you? Have you even reached the point where you've given up and accepted that your life will never change? I can't answer all of those questions, but I know that God can. And I want to draw our focus tonight to one poor widow who probably felt the way you may feel this evening, in her own plight, in her own pain, and in her own poverty. She too was out of options, exhausted by the trauma, condemned by her circumstances, yet she did something that I believe we can all draw strength and encouragement from, and the results are brilliant. And I believe that that is our portion tonight, amen? Because you know why? God never makes mistakes. The season that you're in, the moment that you're in right now today is not by chance. Amen. Didn't happen by mistake. Contrary to how you may feel or think about it, God is working his perfect plan through your life right now. And in the exact same way in the life of this widow, it will happen in your life. You will see a mighty display of provision in your life. Amen. There will be fresh hope increased expectation as we delve deeper into God's word and his promises over our lives. So why don't you turn with me, friends, to 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 for us. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help? That is an awesome question. Amen? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said to her, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Wow. What a terrible set of events in this woman's life. Husband is dead. She's got creditors coming to the house that are going to take her sons as payment to clear the debt. She is out of options. No finance, no job, no future. Everything is bleak and barren. And overarching that is the reality that she could lose the two most precious things in her life. That lingering truth would have had an un and undoubtedly had a massive 
impact in her decision making. And let's be honest, regardless of what decision she may have taken at that moment, nobody could challenge her if she took a drastic course of action to try and not allow for her two sons to be sold. There isn't a parent in this house that wouldn't do the same. But what does she do? She reaches out to the man of God, God's representative, Elisha, for help. And Elisha wants to help her. He asks two questions, an open-ended question with open-ended possibilities. But he follows up with, what do you have in your house? I want to start by reminding us, friends, that when God is going to provide for us, he's going to use what you yourself already possess in your life. But I often wonder if her response is reflective of how we can respond when we find ourselves in similar circumstances. Is our default response, I've got nothing left. Oh, hang on, I've got this little bit of olive oil. I just wonder in our lives, do we take that thinking in our Christian walk, I've got nothing of any value. You know that you are valuable, amen? We cannot dismiss the little bit that we may have as nothing. It's amazing what God can do with nothing. So I've got three kingdom principles for us to lay hold of tonight. Number one, this woman had extravagant faith. Let's remember, her husband has died. She's got a debt to pay. Otherwise, her two sons will be taken. She's desperate. She's filled with despair. Everything is bleak. Everything is barren in her life. And yet, despite the devastating circumstances of her life, what does she do? She tightens her grip on her trust in the living God. Can I get an amen in the house tonight? That's what we need to do, friends. That's what we need to do. When times get tough, we need to lay hold of the promises of God, trust in His unfailing love, have that robust faith that God and God alone will meet our needs. In direct contrast to all of her emotions, her feelings that must have been dictating to her at that point, she rises up with faith. And it's crucial here that we remember and recognize she took no time to explore other options. She didn't take out a payday loan. Amen. She didn't seemingly go to the neighbors to ask for help. Her first response is to turn to the man of God for help and support. Question, is that our first response when times get tough in our lives? The widow even takes time to remind Elisha that her husband revered the Lord. Your translation probably says feared the Lord. Perhaps you can relate to her predicament today. Maybe you've been loyal. Maybe you've been faithful in serving God. You've lived a life of devotion and love and care to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You've honored him in every way you can. And now you find yourself in a troubling situation that demands a resolution. Her trauma, her trials, and her tears have tested her faith in God. No way out. Time is running out. Her sons cannot help her. What does she ultimately do? She places her trust where her trust has been earned, in God and God alone. She has a confident confidence that God is aware of her plight and her pain and can act on her behalf. She probably had no idea how, when, where, and to what degree that God would break in, but that unknown did not phase her from trusting God in that moment. She knew that God would step into her mess and bring a victory. And I wonder in our lives, can we get to that level of faith? Because that's radical from trusting God 
that doesn't always make logical or natural sense, a faith that is robust, a supernatural response to what is clearly a very natural situation. That's in direct contrast to what the world will teach us today. How many of us know that operating in that level of faith is illogical, maybe even irrational? How does that make you feel? In those moments, we have a choice, don't we? We deepen our dependency on God, or our desperation drives us to unusual behaviors to try and redeem the situation that we find ourselves in. Can I encourage you this evening? Deepen your dependency on God. God has never let you down, friends. And you know how I know? He's never let me down. He doesn't love you more, uh, me more than he loves you. Amen. Can I get an amen in the house? God loves you. He's interested in your pain. He knows exactly what you're going through right now today. He knows the exact amount of debt that may or may not sit in this room. He knows the exact amount of generational curses that still need to be broken. He knows the number of habits that need to be broken. He knows the number of chains that need to be broken. He knows the number of addictions that need to be broken, the mindsets that need to be broken. He knows what he needs to do in your life. And you know what? His first question to you is, how can I help you? That's what Elisha said. How can I help you? He is desperately wanting to help you in your situation. Don't close the door on the Lord today. Now, I've got to put my hands up. I can't say that I would respond the way that the widow did to Elisha. I'd be sitting there calculating risk, absorbing the, the reality of what I might need to do in this moment. Why? Because there's shame, isn't there, when we're lacking in our lives. We might be finding ourselves in guilt, embarrassment, that we have to actually now take the chance and obey God. And maybe this woman has even already reached out to her neighbors and maybe they're not caring, they're not compassionate, they don't want to help. Maybe she's already set aside her pride and returned empty-handed from asking for help. And now Elisha is about to tell her, hey, go and talk to your neighbors and get as many jars as you can. Talk about rubbing salt into the wounds. But she knew one thing, I must obey God at all costs. The very fact that she collects the empty jars is an act of faith is an act of faith in action. She positioned and prepared herself for a miracle. Friends, for your miracle, for your breakthrough, you are going to have to position yourself. You're going to have to step out in moments and in situations so God can bring the miracle into your life. Amen? Psalm 77, verse 14, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. When we operate by faith in our lives, particularly in times of trial and test, we position ourselves for a miracle from the Lord. You know, on the other side of our fear, on the other side of our uncertainty, our desperation, our anxiety, is your breakthrough in Jesus' name. So let's stretch beyond the lies, let's stretch beyond the limitations, let's break down the walls, let's destroy the barriers and the boundaries that have hindered and hampered from God breaking in and providing for us in our lives, and let's receive all that he has for us. He wants to demonstrate his sovereignty and his lordship in your life, and it will deepen your faith in him. You know you are part of your own miracle and your own breakthrough. We have an active, engaging role to play in our relationship with God. He... It is us using what God has already provided and trusting him to bring the increase. 
We cannot abdicate our faith and our responsibilities and leave everything to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And here's the hard part. Every single one of us in this room, everyone watching online, we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through trauma. We're going to go through moments of pain, loss, dark despair. May I gently remind you, in those early moments of those situations, the first thing you need to do is to declare the goodness of God over your life. That's where the enemy will creep in and say to you, God doesn't love you, God's not going to provide, God is going to withhold, God doesn't care about you. No, 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 no. The Bible declares he knows the number of hairs on your head. Matthew 20, verse 6. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 30, I beg your pardon. Matthew 6, verse 8. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. What about Psalm 27, verse 1? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? These are beautiful reminders for us today that God is interested in our life. He is aware of those testing experiences. He's conscious of our problems. And you know what? Here's our truth. Faith doesn't make sense. It makes miracles. Tony Evans said that. Amen. Faith doesn't make sense. It makes miracles. Number two, your miracle is going to involve other people. Now, I'm not being rude here, but it would be really easy for Elisha to turn around to this widow and go, trust in God, go home. <laughs> I mean, it would be a theologically correct statement. It absolves him of any responsibility, any need to engage and involve himself in this widow's story. Go home, trust the Lord. Nobody could argue with that, but your miracle is going to involve other people. Remember the questions that Elisha said. How can I help you? What do you have in your house? He's wanting to show this woman and show us tonight, friends, that God is willing to help. The first question reflects how we should navigate our, our issues in life, going to God and have a faith that God is interested in our situation and he wants to help. However, Elisha also wants to remind this widow that she has a role to play in her miracle. Now that's very different to the world that we live in. We just sit back and assume God's going to do it all. Amen? I just pray, name it and claim it. I'm going to sit down and just God is going to do it all. No, you have to play an active role. You need to walk in obedience if you want to see your breakthrough. Now that's humbling, humbling and sobering for us, isn't it? because her needs would have been clear. We don't know how much debt she had, but it would have been a lot of money. She only had a little bit of oil. When you think about the landscape of that, there's this huge need on one side, and there's this little bit of oil on the other. You know that you can't meet your own needs, but God can. And the difference between her assets or her provision and her need is immeasurable. But actually, it's really liberating for us as believers when we remind ourselves that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father. Amen. God does not withhold, friends. Don't accept the lie of the enemy. God is going to use other people to bring your breakthrough, to bring provision into your life. And God will use heartache, God will use trials, God will use burdens in our life to bring us to a place where we can really see our need. And here's the awkward part our own inability to meet our own need. Because otherwise, we'd never have to trust in God. <laughs> if you can meet all your needs, if you can fix all your problems, you have no need of God. Me, myself, and I, 
That's all it is. That's all it would ever be. And what Elisha's trying to show this woman is, obey God, trust God, and you will find your breakthrough. Elisha is showing this woman that her little, that she dismissed initially as nothing, actually provides the foundation for her breakthrough. God, in that tiny, seemingly irrelevant little bit of oil, has already given her the container of her breakthrough. That jar was the answer to her need. Here's my question. What do you have in your life that is already the answer to your need? What's in your home? What are in your possessions? What's in your life? Who is in your life that is the answer to your need? God is going to use other people to bless you in your life. Amen. This speaks to our mindsets when problems emerge. We see the enormity of our problems and the impact it has on our lives, and we don't take time to see that we already possess the blessing that we need to unlock our prayers and find the answers. Now she's got to go to the neighbors. Oh, man, that is awkward. That's a tough step. I get it. You might want to demonstrate faith in the privacy of your own home. Nobody's there. Close the door. Now she's actually got to go to her neighbors and ask for empty jars. That's awkward. But on the other side of that fear is your breakthrough. The question is, are we going to be paralyzed by the fear or are we going to step forward? Elisha instructs the woman to visit neighbors and collect jars. He even says to her, don't take a few. He knew that this woman, I'll take the bare minimum because I don't really know if God's going to turn up. He says to her, don't take a few. Grab as many as you can get your hands on. Amen. We've got to have that mindset that God is going to bless us supernaturally, abundantly, above and beyond all that we can possibly imagine. That God is not just a God of sufficiency, He's a God of overflow. We've got to start believing that, friends, not just have a soundbite or an idea of it. And Elisha knew it because he said to the widow, don't just grab a few. He had already predetermined that this woman would have had a measure of fear. Are those things going to fill? Hey, this is awkward if I go collect a whole bunch of jars and then they stay empty. God will use others for your miracle. Now, I want to sit there and think to myself, I'm the widow. What is going through my mind? I've spoken to the man of God. I'm desperate. I've got to go to these neighbors. They may not like me. They may have already rejected me. They may have already like, turned their nose up at me. I've got to burn my pride and ask for a bunch of empty jars. And there's no evidence that this is going to work, by the way. Who wants to get involved in that? But maybe, maybe... God is using those neighbors as an example to prove his goodness to this widow against the odds. In the midst of her own testimony loading, God is still thinking about the biggest picture. How can his name be glorified in and through this widow's life? Friends, God has the same desire for you. God wants to use your extravagant faith as a signpost to your circle of friends showcasing his divine provision in your life. He longs to meet each and every one of our needs according to his glorious riches. You are going to be his vessel, his jar, to bring about faith in the lives of people that God has placed in your life. Now she gets the jars. Now she goes into the privacy of her home. She even closes the door. Now's the moment of truth. What is going through her mind? What would be going through your mind today? Somebody says they're going to send you some money. 
you're logging onto the app like every two minutes, refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> Somebody's there. <laughs> huh? Somebody says they're going to bless you for a, I don't know, a ticket to a football match and they've sent it, recorded delivery, and you're sitting there on the Royal Mail, track and trace, you know, furiously refreshing the page. Where is it? Where is it? Huh? Because we're not quite sure if it's real, right? Until it's in our hand. Until the number hits the account. Until the fund's clear. We have this doubt that can creep in. I wonder why. Now she's going to see this widow, whether her trust has been rewarded. She picks up the first jar. It fills. Then another. Then another. And I can imagine of just a massive smile. A huge sense of relief. Unbridled joy. Yes, God, you've come through, you've delivered. Against all the odds, you have provided. In my deepest, darkest moment, you turned up. Does anyone have a need today? Number three, we've got to obey God and not our fears. Whatever your situation is today, friends, I'm sure throughout this process, it's not stated this widow would have had doubt. Would those jars fill? If so, how many? Did I bring too many? Not enough. I've been guilty of this. You step out in fragile faith, wondering the entire time whether your faith is going to be exposed as a fraud. God has let you down. God has not turned up on time. Lies from the pit of hell. And all God's people said, Amen. Fear is a liar. It is not our portion as children of the Most High God. When God says he's going to do something, he does it. Amen? When he sends his word out, it never, ever returns void. Now, we can associate delay with denial if we want to, but God's word also declares in Ecclesiastes, in the fullness of time, he and he alone makes all things beautiful. We've got to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. Easier said than done, though, right? As we obey God, what happens? God does exactly what he says he will do. Elisha made a promise to the widow. The promise came to pass. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? Now let's remember, the oil kept flowing until the jars ran out. Every jar was filled. There was no limit on the volume of oil that was available to this widow. The only restriction was on the number of jars that she could get. And I would like to think she had them like under her arms. She would have had like a Tesco, you know, the 50p one, the strong one. Get all those jars in the bag and dragging it down the road. But let's be real, there would have been a natural number of jars that she would have been able to carry. But God supernaturally provided above and beyond. There was already enough for her. God's provision for your life is comprehensive, and abundant. It lacks nothing. There will always be overflow. There will always be leftover. There will always be excess. And she had enough to clear her debt. That is who our God is. So what am I saying to you today? Look at this widow. She started her day desperate and destitute. No way out. No provision. No opportunity. How did she end her day? Faith-filled. Provided for debt cleared, overflow. Isn't our God the God of miracles? Isn't our God worthy of praise in this place tonight? And if God can do it in that widow's life in one day, 
What can he do in your life? What you need is extravagant faith. You mix that extravagant faith with obedience and you invite others into your story and journey. You know what's going to happen? Your testimony is going to load from loading and it's going to come to pass and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Why? Because God is not like man that he should lie. He wants to provide for you. God doesn't just provide sufficiency. He gives overflow. That is the Father's heart. He and He alone can do it. So what am I asking you to do today? I'm asking you to do only one thing. Give God the opportunity to exercise His sovereignty and Lordship in your life. That's it. The scope of God's provision is limitless. Because when God provides, He will provide more than enough. But that requires obedience. That requires extravagant faith. But that also requires us to bring our vessels to Him so that they can be filled. Amen?